Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. Is this where I say, and this is Josh Mankiewicz? That's exactly where you say it. (laughs) Okay. Well. (laughs) And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This is Mr. Mankiewicz's Sir Mankey with the Hankies, I believe, seventh time on our show wow. what keeps you coming back um i got a punch card our if i get the 10 uh <laughs> yeah free episode free ep- yeah. <laughs> and a free sub yeah uh-huh. yeah um yeah well as i see it we have to cover a lot of ground today yeah because yeah. we have right four things to talk about right mm-hmm. yes one is the internal affairs podcast Number uh, one on Apple Podcasts. Is that the Internal Affairs Podcast? Yes, that one. Of? Yes. I think I've heard of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The one talked about in the New York Times, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also mentioned in the Times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two, we have a recent episode, which I did in Nome, Alaska, uh, called A Walk in the Rain. Yeah. So excited. I also asked some of our listeners on Patreon and Supercast that support the show for questions. We also have our own. But before we jump in. Yes. I, we're going to do internal affairs first, I think, okay. because it's a um, it's a sex romp of a podcast. It really it's just is wild. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's yeah. it's very soapy. It's yes. I was going to say it's like Melrose Place mm-hmm. at the precinct. Yep. That's right. Everyone's sleeping with each other. Somebody uh, gets in an accident and then reveals a huge scar. They pull off their wig and that somebody steals somebody's baby. I mean, none of that. That's all no, Melrose but Place. But like, I could see it happening yeah, here. It's like yeah. Melrose Place with guns. Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah, badges. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But before we jump in, one question not related to any of that, but it's on everyone's yes. mind on Twitter. Well, actually, it was last week, but we want to know oh, your boy. thoughts. I know what this is. I feel like there's a correlation between smashing cake in your spouse's face at your wedding mm. and divorce. Did you and your wife do the smashing? Oh, did we? No, we did not. We did not. A very sort of low-key wedding. I mean, there were 11 people there. There was no wedding cake, so there was nothing to smash. Um, we, it, it was literally our two brothers, uh, each of us has a brother, their family, our two moms, um, my, uh, one of my best friends who did the ceremony, another one came in from San Francisco. That was about it. Uh, and then we all went to dinner at the Palm afterwards. Which was fabulous. Uh, yeah, so there was lovely. nothing. There was nothing to smash. And then we drove out to the desert and had a, a little mini honeymoon out in Palm Springs. But the, no, oh, there nice. was no smashing of the cake. And I don't like this cake smashing. I've never liked that as a tradition. I don't like yeah. it. I you did find there's here, a folks. correlation. People on Twitter said my I specifically asked my husband not to smash the cake. He did smash the cake, and now we're divorced. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if there's a specific correlation, but he doesn't listen to her preferences. I was going to say, starting off a marriage with doing something that your spouse just asked you not to do is not really yeah. the way to go. Um, no. But yeah, no, I, I, I've never, I don't understand that. Particularly like, I mean, I don't want to go too much into this, but on that day, the bride in particular has had, there we go. had a, spent a tremendous amount of time getting ready, looking great in the dress, makeup, Possibly hair. paying to yeah, have her face right. done. Yeah. And then like, what, you're deliberately ruining all that? What is that message that like, I can right. wreck everything that you think <laughs> is important anytime I want? Like, I don't, I, I've never understood that. I've never understood what, what that's for. And uh, this seems like an appropriate time to begin talking about internal affairs, the podcast yes. that America just can't get enough of. With the host that America can't get enough That's of. Exactly. This was excellent work on, on you. Well, America. let's be fair about this. Every single Dateline podcast, I mean, the original ones that we've done, mm-hmm. they have all very quickly risen to number one. And mm-hmm. while I would like to claim credit for that, um, that is more of a tribute to the Dayline brand, the true crime audience's appetite for quality content. Yes. And our long history of sort of knowing how to tell a story that makes people want to stick around for the ending. Um, yes. And I, I've thought about this when Internal Affairs came out, which was it, the first couple episodes came out. And then right after that, Adnan Syed was released from prison and Serial, which wasn't new, got this huge surge of interest because of that. And it was immediately number one. And I remember thinking as we were sort of staying at number two or number three, I remember thinking, 
oh my gosh, maybe this is going to be the one. Maybe this is the one where we're not going to be number one. The first person who releases a Dateline podcast that doesn't become number one oh, no. right, is just going to be particularly like push him in a pool or something just like feeling deep shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. fortunately our audience uh, found us and, and yes, we did get the number one. It's so good. I, this one is my favorite. Don't tell Keith. Uh, it's a lot of our listeners favorites. I'm just so enwrapped. It's, I think it's my mom's favorite. It's so juicy. Yeah, it, and also it's a case. I don't know because I can't find the original episode anywhere. Well, no one can. And that's actually why we decided to do it. Um, I did this story on Dateline, I'm going to say, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. Uh, and, Whoa. and at the time, we only had, I mean, of all the stuff that we had in this podcast, the, the only thing that we had back then, I think, was the interview with Ignacio Garris, the, the man at the center of this story, at the center of this sort of tug of war. And, uh, and so we told it from essentially his story. Uh, his point of view. We didn't have as much from Sean and Nelson or the detectives or the other people as we, as we later did when we did the podcast. So when the podcast came out, we were actually able to tell a, a significantly more in-depth story on internal affairs than we did the first time it aired as a Dateline broadcast. The other thing, of course, is the podcasts are like, uh, you know, this podcast is like six times as long as a Dateline hour. Each one of those oh, segments yeah is about what a Dateline hour would be with the commercials taken out. And the other thing that changed, which was really interesting, was that the Dateline episode aired in standard definition TV. And subsequently, Dateline and all other broadcasts went to high definition TV. And the standard definition episodes are not part of any of the rerun packages because they look funny on the screen. They get all squished. So they don't run. That's why the audience didn't know this story the way they would a Dateline rerun that's been on a bunch of times or a story that they've seen, you know, on, on the network and then maybe also in syndication. So that was that really helped us was that a lot of people did not know this story or had forgotten it or only vaguely remembered part of it. And that mm-hmm. helped us do this because you're not quite sure at any time what's coming out. And Tim Beecham, who produced the podcast, but not the original Dateline episode, uh, is a wonderful producer and really managed to help give this a, a really different look in terms of storytelling than the uh, than the TV episode did. And those are all reasons why I thought it worked. But also, you know, all kinds of people were represented in the, in, in the podcast, their points of view, who were not as represented in the um, in the TV episode because the TV episode was primarily just Ignacio's story of I started this affair I couldn't get out of it and so she left me with no choice but to keep on having sex with her that was his talk about that yeah tell tell us about that well that's <laughs> you know look that is the claim at at the center of his story which was yes it is you know this was a police department in which apparently you know protecting and serving was coming in like fourth or fifth to who can I date <laughs> this month they were all dating each other and some of them so many of them illicitly and many of them licitly, but they were, there was. A, <laughs> and everyone knew, right? It was like an open great secret. Great deal yeah. of fraternization going on there. And that, you know, I'm not going to say that this doesn't happen in other police departments because it does. In fact, it happens in all kinds of organizations where. All kinds of businesses. Well, that was going to be my question. A, have you ever seen a police department this incestuous? B, are there any other professions that you've covered that you felt like were more? Well, first of all, you know, you put people together in a work environment and things are going to happen. And sometimes they're going to be perfectly normal friendships and then maybe dating relationships that come out of that. And then some of them are going to be like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, over the moon like this one was. Look, this is why HR departments tell you (laughs) don't date the people you work with. Right. This is one extreme. And we can all think of others, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, police departments are notorious for this kind of thing. I don't know that Greeley's any worse than any other, uh, but so much more came out of Mm -hmm. that has come out about others. But I have the feeling that this degree of employee fraternization and dating, both proper and otherwise, or both marital and non-marital, could be said about a lot of things. But it can be said about a lot of different businesses 
I mean, I, I did a story a couple of years ago on Dateline about a guy in Tucson who worked in the aircraft industry. And he, you know, when he was killed, uh, they went and asked, uh, the cops went and asked people at his, at his work, you know, uh, who didn't like him? And the answer was like, well, almost everyone. Everybody. And, we yeah, you know, we he, did that. Yeah, yeah. he did uh-huh. it all these women and he left a lot of broken hearts. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so then that wasn't a police department. I mean, that's like a pretty normal um, mm-hmm. workplace yeah. where, you know, some, you know, he was single and I think the women he was dating were single, but I mean, like that, that's going to happen. It certainly happens in the TV news business. Mm-hmm. Certainly has happened in a lot of places that I've, that I've worked in, but I think that happens in, in a lot of businesses where there are a lot of people working in a, on a common mission in a, what can be a tense charged environment. Mm-hmm. And I also think, you know, speaking to the HR departments of the world, it's unreasonable to expect that nobody's going to want to date anybody else uh, that they work it with. Is. That's going to happen. The question is, how do you handle it when that does happen? And, you know, how do you handle exactly this kind of thing, which is, I did want to be involved with you, then I was involved with you, and now I don't want to be involved with you anymore. And the choices that people make when that happens. So that was the interesting thing. Now, the other thing that's interesting was that, you know, frequently when we're covering court cases, the audio, particularly from the courtroom, is so dreadful that you can tell because it sounds like, you know, it sounds like everyone's in a tunnel a mile away. Yep. (laughs) He's just walking away. It sounds like somebody's talking like this for the entire interview. He's across the room. That doesn't sound so terrific. Right. I'm the first guest to put sound effects in. I know that I am. You that really are. Good. I know. Thank you. That was very effective. Um, so, and in this case, the trial that happened and that's discussed in internal affairs, uh-huh. somebody, and we don't know who, somebody set up that courtroom and the microphones and the audio system. So it yeah, sounds yeah. pretty much the way I'm speaking to you now. And it's so, very clear. And so you can't really tell sometimes, which helps us in storytelling a lot, whether the person that's speaking was speaking in their testimony or under cross-examination in a courtroom or uh, whether they were doing an interview. And that helped us a lot, sort of, sort of roll the story out. But it's a great story. It's a soapy story. But it's also, you know, like a lot of these, I mean, it's also a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. And it's a it mm-hmm. it's a story of what happens when people don't have any boundaries. And it's a story mm-hmm. of what happens when people don't want to hear the word no. And it's a story of what happens when people, you know, how people deal with, with rejection. And yeah. I mean, it is a story of everything that can go wrong when you have a workplace romance like that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yes. It also, it's a frustrating story for Heather. Let me start by saying there's never any good reason to murder someone at all. But in a case like this, it's doubly frustrating when, I mean, there's no, uh, none of the motives we normally get, which is money or child custody, things like that, where we have a clear reason why a husband is murdering his spouse or vice versa, something like that. But this is just almost a personality-based Killing, you know, it's ridiculous. Hurt feelings, I don't know. (laughs) You know, coming in second. Yeah. You know, this was, you know, this is something I'm sure I've brought up here before. I know I've talked about it other places. I mean, I have a friend who's a homicide detective, now retired, who said uh, memorably to me that all murders, he thought, could be chalked up to one of three motives. Money, love, or and that once you figured out which one of those it was, it was pretty easy to figure out who it was. Um, right. Okay. Money and love. We've certainly seen and dealt with a bunch of times, but this, yeah. it seems to me was pride. This was, was, you know, I don't, this like, wasn't love. No, I don't No, No, I, this is, this is about, I, I don't, I don't like finishing out of the money. What was the time period between when he officially broke it off and the killing? Um, that's sure, a good question, right? but it was very brief. I mean, I think it was under a month. There was a, okay. there was a period of, I mean, they had this conversation that was kind of like the one that, you know, Michael Douglas, Ann Archer and Glenn Close have in Fatal Attraction. I think we might have called this Fatal Attraction. I think, it was, it, no, it was the original. When episode it was the first was episode. It might have been because it's certainly very much like that, like the movie. Yeah. But there's a point at the end where where Michael Douglas calls Glenn Close 
and says, uh, I just want you to know that we're done. We're finished. Here's my wife. And the wife gets on the phone, Ann Archer, you know, most beautiful woman ever, in my opinion, and says, um, yeah. that's it. You know, stay away from my family or something mm-hmm. like that. She says mm-hmm. her name. She, you know, she just says, stay, stay away from me. Stay away from us. And, and then it looks like everything's fine. And that's what ends up setting you know, going close off on that, you know, murderous rampage that ends the mm-hmm. movie. And this was a little bit like that. There was a conversation in which uh, Ignacio said, you know, I've told my wife about all this and it's all over. I don't think Heather got on the phone with her, but it was clear that like she knows and there's no point. Mm-hmm. The the sword that you've had over me, the Damocles, you know, mm-hmm. if you, we don't keep going. I'm going to I'm gonna tell your wife that's that leverage is gone now and she knows and we're going to go on and you're not part of my life anymore. And she left him. Uh, Heather Garris did, um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then but then came back a couple of days later. They came back, yeah. yeah. And then there were a couple of weeks of ta- angry texts, right, and emails, and, and emails, mm-hmm. and mean messages left on the phone machine. But then it all kind of stopped, and they thought, okay, we've reached the end. And it turns out it wasn't the end. He even said that last day or that last he, couple days, yeah. he was able to pass by her in the store and there was like no reaction. Right. Yeah, they went to Subway or something. Right. He went to Subway and they he saw her and over, she, yeah. there was no response. Yeah. It was yeah. okay, and but it wasn't it okay. It wasn't, right. That's the thing. I wanted to briefly just mention how great the description is, by the way, of when Sean is brought into the interrogation and her and the detective and the touching. Oh, all yeah. All of this sort of strange manipulation. Right. I'm so scared, Greg. She keeps saying his name. She keeps a lot. using the name repetition, but she does it through which is like which a is... sales technique or something. It's like endearing herself to Greg. I'm so scared. I guess it's what had always worked with her before. Yeah, you know, either in that department or with other men. I mean, she hadn't been in legal trouble before, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question. I mean, you're seeing some of that manipulation right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I give you a hug? That's right. Yeah. Can I give you a hug? Yeah, I mean, she yeah. she had manipulated a lot of people over the years. And she never asks who was shot. And then when they ask her, do you know who was killed? She oh, says... that was odd. Um, I can't remember if they told me or not. I can't he remember told, who it was. I can't remember yeah. if they told me who was killed or not. Yeah. It's a shame. It's pretty hard to make this come out any other way. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean... She's wearing her husband's clothes. She's driving her husband's truck. She's apparently using mm-hmm. her husband's gun. Although exactly how that whole switch happened, I still don't quite understand. But apparently, you know, he had oh, a lot of guns. He had a lot of guns. Wanted, I want to know. <laughs> I I think I understand. He had a lot of guns. But, he may have yeah. taken the, you know, she took one and maybe he took the Just, wrong one to work, right. not yeah. realizing it. And, and then it gets switched back, you know, so yeah. the, the gun that gets handed into evidence you know, is his is, ser- is his service weapon, right? But it couldn't have been because it was with him at the time. And, you know, the thing that saved him was that at the time of the murder, he was provably not there. He was with other cops in a, mm-hmm. in a building with a bunch of other people. So he right. obviously was not committing the murder. But let's say that he's on coffee break then. You know, let's right. say that he runs out to get a sandwich or, you know, Go pick yeah. up dry cleaning. I mean, it could be anything. And if he's not right in front of other people at that time, he, she gets to frame. I, it would have been. It would have been a lot less clear what happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. Reasonable doubt, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. They could have. Oh wow. You know. Um, one more thing. We, we tried to get Ignacio to uh, talk about this again, but we couldn't find him. Oh, you couldn't find oh. him. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, I'm not saying he's off the grid, but he's. We, we couldn't get a hold of him. The kids would be um, over. No, like adults now. Oh, Kimberly doesn't know yet. Oh well, then we're. Oh, not. I haven't listened to the no, last Kimberly episode. We're not going to say anything. Yeah, that's what we're I'm not going to. I'm not going to say not, anything. There are people who haven't heard the last episode yet, so we're. I like to binge it, so I save like two or three together. Let's well, not give anything away here, but uh, but I will just say it's yeah. There's a uh, there's some twists coming that you don't anticipate, and uh, and I don't think we're giving anything away to say we wanted to speak with Ignacio and we couldn't. We, could not get yeah. a hold of yeah um can i tell you some of my favorite lines yes. which what one of my new favorite lines of yours is as airtight as a screen door okay loved it yep. and then when the woman says i mean do you send nude photos of yourself to your guy friends 
And you said just the really close friends. That was brilliant. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. And then I, um, I laughed out loud um, in my <laughs> car. It was really good. My favorite line. Well, I have two favorite lines from Internal Affairs. One is, Ig was like a drunk on the subway. He missed a lot of chances to get off the train. It's really right. good. That was really and good. And it's so apt. It's such Gotta a give good credit where credit's due. That's Tim Beecham, the producer, who's just wonderful. Um, Great. And my other was when Ignacio sneaks out of the house through the window in the basement because he doesn't want to wake up the dog. Oh and I say, you know, was that yep. professional courtesy one dog to another? Um, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. That was, all right. That, that I do take credit. That was me. Yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. burn. That's so good. I feel like this podcast has such the potential, I don't know if this is in the works, to become a The Thing About Pam miniseries. Um, I say with complete honesty, I don't have any idea whether anybody has talked about that or okay. what discussions have been held you know, above me or with others. And no one said anything to me about it, but that doesn't mean anything. Who would you cast as Shauna? Right. I mean, that's the question, right? But anyway, I, was say, I don't know anything about this, but I agree with you. I mean, that if the thing about Pam worked as a TV show, and I think it did, I think that's... Oh, it 100% I think did. this would too. But the problem, you have to really capture sort of the, the you know, intensity of those relationships, which were just nutty. I mean, yes. you know, Shauna and Ig and Shauna... And Shauna and her and husband, husband Shauna and Michelle, her friend. I mean, it's all just, I mean, so many toxic, yeah, there's a lot going on in all of them that would have to be, um, it might be tough to bring that to the screen, I guess. Um, who would I pick? That's a good question. Well, you Robin Wright would be fabulous as, as Shauna. Oh, yeah. You know? Yes. Um, that would be great. Yeah. That would be excellent. That's a really good choice. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Sorry, my first thought for Ig was David Schwimmer, but that might not work. It just I'm remembering him being Rob Kardashian. And right. David Schwimmer might be able to do it, but I haven't seen. I've looked up pictures of Shauna, but I have not. I did not find pictures of him. So uh, I'm curious, yeah. what does he look like? Is he a tall man? Yeah, I think he was a tall guy. His hair was a little bit thinning, but uh, I mean, it was not. It was not hard to see why anybody, you know, thought he was a good looking guy. He was, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, let me think about this some more. It depends on how you're characterizing him. If he's some sort of innocent, naive person who got drawn right. into this relationship, then that's right. David Schwimmer. Right. But, no, and that's then right. that's David Schwimmer. Or that's if right. it's, but if it's someone that's who right. maybe more nefarious is, and right. knew what he was doing. and But I'm saying it could be done. I think that this story would be interesting Absolutely. in a six part series for no, sure. I, it was so fascinating. I agree. I think, this, I think this totally could live as a. As a the Grim Reaper alone. Yeah, yeah the Grim the, Reaper. The costume yeah. no, it's, it's, was sh- it's nuts. I it's had no nuts. idea where this was going it's at the beginning. Nuts. Yeah. It's Mm-mm. just nuts. People did want to know more specifically, like, whose idea it was. It was, and was it automatically assigned to you, or did it, you come up with it because you did the original episode? Yeah, I mean, definitely the person that did the original episode is going to be assigned to the podcast, unless, for example, it's the person who did the original episode doesn't work here anymore, which mm-hmm. I guess could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to be able to use just, you know, some behind the scenes stuff here. You want to be able to use all my questions and answers with Egg in that interview, which was a very long interview for TV. You want to be able to use all of that. And so, yeah, it was, it's always going to be the person that did the original episode. I have a question. Was there anything that you wanted to put in that just could not go in for some reason that uh, you can talk about? Nothing no. that I can think about. I mean, the great thing about podcasts is everything yeah. can go in. That is the nicest thing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if there was anything that maybe didn't have no, proof mean, or any. Yeah. But I feel like you guys. I mean, com- in Dateline, I mean, in Dateline, it was, was there stuff we wish we could put in uh, that we end up leaving out all the time just because we got to hit 38 or 39 minutes of TV. And, mm-hmm. you know, we run out of time with some details. We th- Which, by the way, if I can interject, is not Dateline's fault. All the people on Instagram that are like, there's so many commercials. There are That's a lot of NBC. commercials. You know. But Dateline's That's not that. doing that? That's- Dateline would give you a full hour with no commercials if they could. Oh, Dateline would. Yeah, I don't think the network would. Yeah. They, uh, they enjoy selling that. Yeah. Yeah. Get mad at NBC. Don't yeah. get mad at Dateline. Yeah, people don't understand that there's a difference between us. Yeah, we don't really... We don't really yeah. sell those ads than the company yeah. does. But, you know, I get it. We're all part of the same thing. And I'm glad they're selling the ads, frankly, because it's keeping us all in business. 
Or also mm-hmm. sign up for Peacock. Yeah, just sign up for Peacock. Yeah, come on. Yeah, there's ways to do it. Everybody this. should sign up for Peacock. Everybody should. My new life goal is to get our promo aired on a Dateline podcast. Yeah. Good luck with that. But while Kimberly's goal may seem far-reaching, there are some goals that can be within your grasp. Like, for example, I really want to be healthier, and I can take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everly Well. Their at-home lab tests, vitamins, and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. And it's so easy. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or the food sensitivity test or the sleep and stress test or the heavy metals test. And the heavy metals test lets you measure certain environmental toxins that can affect your overall health and wellness that maybe you didn't even know about. I personally took the Everly Well at-home thyroid test, and I got back a lot of important information that I was able to share with my doctor. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything that you need in one package to take your at-home lab test. All you need to do is collect your sample, use the included prepaid shipping label, and mail your test back to the certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. Everlywell also has high-quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. If you order the vitamins and supplements, you can get started right away by adding them to your daily routine. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals. And so should you. And for listeners of A Date with Dateline, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash date dateline. That's everlywell.com slash date dateline for 20% off your next at-home lab test. everlywell.com slash date dateline. Because Everly One should feel Everly Well. Thank you, Everly Well. Now here's Kimberly to tell us about the magic she's been making with Canva. I am so excited to talk about Canva again. Much like Mank's job of creating television that millions of people watch, my job involves creating social media content that tens of people watch. But that doesn't make what I do any less important. Canva for Teams makes collaborating easy and fun. I can create something on Canva using their endless templates, fonts, photos, graphics, and videos. Yes, videos. They have filters, animations, transitions using their video editor. So be prepared for a lot of videos to come your way on Instagram and TikTok, combining my loves of Dateline, Bob's Burgers, and Taylor Swift. And maybe I did two of those in a post today already. Thank you, Canva. I love Canva because it's simple enough for me to figure out. I can stop asking the young people to help me in making things. I could just do it myself. Well, sometimes I'll probably still ask them for help, but it's not because I can't do it. It's because I want them to have a chance to use Canva. And if you're team members, you can share with each other and collaborate with each other. And collaborating makes everything better, except when it's two serial killers working together. That is way worse. Collaborate with Canva for teams. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash date dateline. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash date dateline for a free 45-day extended trial. Canva.me slash date dateline because the whole world is your Canva. There's a great thing, by the way. Now I'm going off book here. At least on the, uh, yeah, I think right now, if you log into the Peacock streaming channel, or I don't mean log in, but when you click on it on your menu of streaming channels, and then you go to the Dateline uh, channel within Peacock, when you click on that, before you pick your episode, there's a little promo that automatically plays, sort of telling you about the show. And they do this with every, they do this with every show that's on Peacock and every movie. It's like a little trailer. And the Dateline trailer begins with me saying to somebody, I'm like snapping my fingers and I said, let's go. Right. And what was that? When did you do that? So I couldn't remember ever having done that, but it's <laughs> clearly me. Like, I, I think like, who was I talking to that way? Do you recognize right? the suit? 
What? What's the hanky? I don't recognize anything. Call up the Dateline chair. You'll see it. I'm like, let's go. I don't recall you ever speaking to someone like that. Could it be talking to the camera? Could this be an outtake? I asked about it, and it is an outtake. That's why, and it was not to any person I was interviewing. I was shooting some promos a couple of years ago. This was right after a Dateline shoot. So, you know, I already been in the chair for like three hours or something. And they said, okay, now we're going to do these promos really quick, which was for something else. And I think it was affiliate teases. And I say like, you know, coming up tonight on channel eight, coming up tonight on channel nine, that's at 10 o'clock on channel 34, you know, all the stuff for the affiliates. And I think I looked at the list of promos and I'm like, uh, this is wrong. Like the Boston station's not channel eight, it's channel seven or something like that. Right. Um, Like, I'm pretty sure this is not the right, this is not. And they're like, no, this is what we have here. And then I saw that. And that's when I thought, you know what? I'm just the promo people here. I'm probably wrong. Like they probably know their promos better than I do. And I'm like, let's go, let's do it. Come on. Let's stop. Let's stop arguing about what they caught it. He's corrected. It probably is correct. We're rolling. So that's what it was. It was me talking to the crew and producer about my own being unsure as to whether the, the copy I was reading was correct. And I was like, you know what? It probably is correct. Let's go. Come on. I so that's what it. I, you see it and you think to yourself, who is he talking to that way? A murderer, it's, right? Because yeah. you're so like, nice like, to family that's members. What I was thinking. This would have to be somebody who had just been convicted of a crime. But I right. couldn't think of anybody I'd interviewed that I was that sort of abrupt with. But then when you think about it in the other context, then it's like appropriate. Then it's like, come on, let's let's stop wasting our own time. Let's go. You know, right. Yeah. So that's what that is. But it, it definitely it's great. It's great when you see it. I'm going to look it up. I'm yeah. dying to see it. Okay, should we move to Walk in the Rain? Let's talk Alaska. Moving on. Alaska. Let's do Alaska. Can you start with the beginning of your trip to Alaska and end okay. at the end? <laughs> All right. Where did you stay? What did you eat? What did you think? How long were you there? Okay. How, have you been to Alaska before? I have been to Alaska before. I did a story there a number of years ago, although it was not a crime story. It was before we were doing crime all the time. But I went to, uh, oh. I was in Anchorage for several days and did a story there. Alaska is beautiful and wild yes. and untamed. And you do get the feeling that, uh, you know, around every corner, a, a bear is slapping a salmon out of a stream. Uh, yeah. Gnome, on the other hand, not really. Uh, most people's version of Alaska. It is small. It is weather beaten. It is gray. It is bleak. And we were there in the summer, which is when Sonia Ivanov's murder happened. We were there. It we was there the summer. The we were trying to figure it out. August. You were in a full park. And gloves. And gloves. And it was cold. How cold was it? I mean, it? not crazy cold, but I mean, it was in the 40s. Oh, it was in the 40s. Uh, upper 40s, low 50s, somewhere around there. In but the summer. Overcast, wind blowing, chilly, definitely. I mean, the, you couldn't, you know, the kind of place if you were outside for several hours, which we were shooting all those stand-ups, it gets cold. But we were there in the warm times, no question. And that was, we wanted to do that. Originally, we were planning on going originally in like February or March. And like, no one would have looked considerably different to our cameras than the way it looked when Sonia was killed. So we really wanted to go in the okay. summer and then we ended up being able to do that. So that was good. I was only in Nome for about a day and a half okay, because of something which we didn't really talk about, but which we will now. Right before I was about to go, I was exposed to somebody who had COVID, uh, a friend of mine. And I was sitting right across the table from him. Oh, and then he calls me later that day. He's like, oh, my gosh, I've got COVID. And so I didn't want to travel like, right. I was supposed to leave the next morning. So I didn't go that next day. Instead, I went and got a rapid test. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you got to wait better part of a day for that to come back. That came back that evening negative. So then I left the next morning. But here's the thing about no, you can't get there from here. You fly to Anchorage, which is from Los right. Angeles, where I live. It's about like flying to New York. It's about five hours, a little bit more. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Then when you get in, it's too late to get to Nome. And there aren't any roads, by the way. There's no driving from Anchorage to Nome. Because Nome's almost the Arctic Circle. It's way north. 
So do you have to take a little plane? No, it's a full a size plane? plane because okay. so much of what is sold in Nome in terms of you know food and things has to be flown in. Can't drive so it. So they need supplies. Right. So and a lot of people bring in their own food. Because when we were getting off the plane, people were unloading these giant, like wrapped crates of stuff, which I think is food and provisions for, you know, however long for their families. Wow. You fly up to Anchorage That's one wild. day, then you spend the night, then you go to Nome the next day. Then I was only in Nome for about a full day, which we shot all those stand-ups. We drove around with Eric Burroughs from the Alaska Bureau of Investigation. Mm-hmm. And I'd already sat down and interviewed him. And I'd already done the interview with the family. So, and then we interviewed the police chief while we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we definitely maximized our time there. And, you know, it was light out all the time because the sun doesn't set then until like after midnight. And it was overcast. So the, the sky sort of always looked the same color the whole time we were there, which is interesting because when you're shooting stand-ups, you know, so many of them in a piece, like seven or eight of them or whatever we shot, you don't want them to look that different. You don't want one mm-hmm. to be pitch dark and the other one to be light, which might happen if you're shooting all day long. In Alaska, they're all going to look the same. How many hours of daylight? The sun didn't set until midnight or 1 a.m. there. You know, it's only the land of the midnight sun. Yeah. Did it feel odd? It only felt odd because it screws with your rhythms a little bit. Like you don't feel like it's bedtime yet because it's light out. And then I look at my wife, I'm like, oh, it's 1130 at night. I should be yeah. feeling sleepy, but I'm not. No, the hotel had <sighs> curtains and stuff. Not sleeping was not a problem. But What was the hotel in Nome like? Well, there are no chains of anything up there. The only, of course. The only chains, yeah. that are, there's a Wells Fargo that I saw, and the, the Subway is the only restaurant. I was going to ask because somebody went to Subway. Yeah. So they don't have a McDonald's? No, they don't have McDonald's or Starbucks or anything like that. They have a lot of bars that also serve food. Grocery stores and stuff. But I mean, even the gas station is like, you know, Kimberly's gas station. It's not a recognizable brand. I was fascinated by all the yeah. all the Alaska. Yeah. It's just it's it seems like a different world. It is. Really. It looks like, you know, except for the fact that the ocean is right there. I mean, it looks like right. a town from like North Dakota. It's kind of weathered sure. because it's so terribly cold there a lot of the year. And there's like lots of these like little tiny houses. Uh, yeah, tiny windows because you know it's cold. You know, so you sense that people are batting down for the weather a lot of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. When you mentioned how close it was to Russia, did you consider making a Sarah Palin joke, uh, I, or was that your attempt at a Sarah? I mean, Palin you can joke? you can hear that joke whenever you talk about it, whether you actually <laughs> say heard it, it or not. Right? That's what Katie said. Right? She's like, that was the joke. Yeah. I heard. Now, it. You know that she didn't say that. Right. Tina Fey said that. Yes. You know, I can see Russia from my house. Yeah. That was Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin. Yeah. Did you consider yeah. making the Tina Fey joke? Uh, sure. <laughs> That's the already, yeah. She'll make it better than we could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 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 Sarah Palin signed the law that allowed for the sentencing of the cop in this case. There was a law about this, that the police officers commit murder. That's that the friend's the dad like 90, They get 99 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a state yeah. line producer tweeted yeah. that. Yeah. That was and so that, interesting. Palin signed that into law. Good. Um, who picks, so we always get that question, who picks the cases? But Amy wants to know how, how are these locations? She said, Keith is in Hawaii. You're closer to Russia. Did you pick this case on purpose? Well, Susan Leibowitz, who produced this, is one of the great producers at Dateline, yes. and I love working with her. So when she said she was doing this story in Nome, where I'd never been, and you know, I said, sure. Um, frequently, who does a story has to do with, uh, if it's somebody that you've historically worked with before, mm-hmm. or if it's a story that you've ever covered any part of before, you're going to be on it again. That's how I did, you know. 13 hours on Michael Jackson or whatever it was. But uh, frequently it's just somebody, you know, it's like whoever's available at that time. You know, if you got to start shooting soon, Keith, Andrea, Dennis, they may be busy. I have a call with New York right after we finish recording this podcast in which they're going to talk about what the next stories are for me. And a lot of them just have to do with, you know, can you be in, can you, you know, be in, in this location? city on this day? And the answer is always, yeah. you know, yes, or I'm already booked for that day. We met uh-huh. Susan Leibowitz at the very beginning of our podcast. She's and the I greatest. humiliated myself. Uh, she was very nice. Where are Andrea and Dennis? They're working on other cases. We haven't gotten oh, them yeah. this season. Yeah. They haven't been on? No. No. It's been you it's and been Keith. It's been you and Keith. See, I didn't even realize that, but I guess that's right. 
We were concerned. Yeah. Well, no, they're they're fine. They're both working. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, Sarah wants to know: Did you or Dateline seek out a case involving an indigenous woman no. to kind of shed light on this? No. No. It is a. What I think is that we heard about this case, Susan did, and thought, you know, in addition to the fact that there's a lot of interesting things about it. I mean, this is a good case for Dateline in part because it takes you to a place that most people haven't been. That's always an advantage. Yes. It's a story in which the guilty party is not the obvious suspect. At all. Which is good. It ends up being the last person you think it was or that you'd want it to. There was a very good suspect early on Mm -hmm. that we spent a lot of time on and the police spent a lot of time on. You know, there's plenty of video of the of Sonia. It's not hard to sort of reconstruct who she was in her life. And, you know, her family was willing to talk. So that all makes it something we like. And then you consider the fact that this is also a person who's part of a population that whose murders and disappearances aren't getting nearly enough coverage. Mm-hmm. Right. Then all of that sort of added together to make it something that we wanted to do. And, you know, the other great element of it uh was the whole like investigating crime in the middle of the wilderness like that, you know, and what the cop, what Eric Burroughs said to us was, you know, everybody talks about the first 48 hours being so crucial, but in Alaska, like the first 24 hours could just be spent getting there. So they got to like put a tarp over everything and just wait, Mm -hmm. you know. Did you get to speak to Brian? Uh, Brian Wayavana, yes. Wayavana, yeah, the detective. He was just a uniformed officer when this all began, but he was a friend of Sonia's family. Her her sister and brother-in-law knew him and liked him, and they felt comfortable with him being on it. But I mean, you know, there were, what, seven or eight officers on it. So, I mean, at one time, you know, everybody was on it, and then that slipped over time, but uh, pretty quickly, too, because they just don't have... I mean, a small department like that. Yeah, that was my favorite. Right. I mean, you re- said- re- regardless of the fact that their department, you know, had a separate conflict of interest here. But even if of course. it's hard to do uh-huh. the normal job of policing and also investigate this one murder yeah. uh, with that few people. How many people total? Was it like 10 people? And Something that- like that. Yeah. I mean, it was under a dozen. Did you get to go inside? The police station. It had I just, moved I because the police station that was there when this happened was a uh-huh. different police station. And they have a much more nicer modern facility now, which I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the new chief yeah, of police. The guy who, who wants to uh, upgrade the, the department and I think has done some of that for sure. One of the things that was wild for me is because I say repeatedly on the podcast that I don't believe in coincidence. And I mean big coincidences. I really don't believe in big coincidences. All the time. I think I say, uh, think horses, not zebras all the time. But here with Kunick, you had the same, you had a truck that was blue and you had one tire that was mismatched and it was the same tire. It was the right tire. It was the correct tire. Yeah. And he knew Sonia, and they did this. And had DV charges. And he had a DV charge. And he had issues. He and Sonia had been close and then not close. Um, yep. And uh, he had blood on his. Mm, blood all over oh, his yeah, blood, yeah. And blood on, on his a rifle. Shoe and on his gun. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and he's telling the story. And the cops are thinking, like, okay, <laughs> good, mm-hmm. done. This mm-hmm. got solved fast. I had lunch a couple of days ago with a friend of mine who's a homicide investigator. And he said that that case is a classic example of how you get wrongful convictions, which is, you know, yeah. it's presented to you, you know, mm-hmm. like this guy tells a story, which is frankly not credible if you sort of don't believe in coincidences, right? Which they don't, right. you know, I mean, there's all these things that just point right to him. Like one thing pointing to him. Okay. Two things. Okay. But, but like, tick, 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 these tick, are tick, like tick. six things that all yeah. could be, that, that all are like arrows pointing at him. And uh, back before lab tests could confirm or deny things like, you know, is that animal blood or is that human blood and do it rapidly. Right. You know, people went away for this kind of thing. And my friend was saying, this is exactly how you get to wrongful convictions and why you have to keep looking at other possibilities besides the one that appears to be just sitting on your plate, ready to Mm -hmm. go. Yeah. My whole life is just flipped upside down. 
I've probably wrongfully convicted a lot of people in my head. Right. Yeah. You're. Yeah. <laughs> I should not be on a jury. <laughs> it's okay. Hanging Judge Kimberly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you got to do a ride along with Eric Burroughs from the borough. And you from do a lot of those. Do you like those shoots where you're in the car no. driving oh, you around? You were town? also riding along in Las Vegas. Yes, I was PI. riding yeah. with the PIs, right? Well, I mean, look, you want to ride along when there's a point to what you're doing, right? So uh-huh. in Nome, you know, the crime occurred or began with a car driving around that neighborhood where we were driving and picking up Sonia. And in Las Vegas, they we're driving around following uh, Brent Dennis. So you want to do that. You want to, you know, if there was driving involved then you can drive it. Generally, I don't like those things because, you know, like the camera angles never quite work. They're hard to cut oh. because, you know, it's, it's not sat, it's not fixed and blocked like a regular interview. So it, it can be a little awkward sometimes, you know, if somebody's honking their horn nearby or something, it can obscure what somebody's saying. I mean, I don't love those. Yeah. It looks cool though. But it does look cool it and it's cool. real. I mean, that's the thing is it's, you know, we probably, I would say, in my opinion, we should do more stuff like that, not necessarily drive, but sort of things in which we're doing something other than just sitting in the chair when we interview people. Although, as I'm constantly telling my bosses, sometimes what happens in the chair is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they can't move. They got to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. Really? Good. That's what I like about the chair. If you add more things, I'll have to add more things to the bingo cards. I understand. Bingo um, cards, <laughs> bingo cards getting bigger and bigger. I have three more questions about, I have two yes. more questions about Alaska and then one <laughs> question about luminol. So this was interesting oh, in this yeah. story. You didn't say luminol. I believe that it was not luminol. I believe it was a luminol competitor. Is luminol a brand like Kleenex is a brand? For oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, the Lum- luminol is in, this is completely my conjecture here. I think luminol is in trouble like Kleenex, Xerox, Windbreaker. Aspirin, yes. things that are in danger of Q-tip. Yeah, Q-tip of becoming the generic name for a brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there yeah. is a competitor. Can you tell us the name of the competitor? If I remembered it, I could, but it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> luminous. Okay, we solved that mystery. That's one thing down. Yeah. Next thing. So. Sonia was from a tiny village. You said coming to Nome was almost like the big city yeah. for her. You know, unilocate. That's her village. Did you go to unit? Dateline went to Unilocalite. That's one of the things I missed out on by uh, by not getting there and done. Did they tell you what it was like? Because now you've described Gnome to, Gnome to us, so I'm very curious what this very small inlet. Well, you town... know, we showed we showed the footage of Unilocalite. Yes. Unilocalite looked a lot greener than Gnome was, at least in the pictures. Is it that because I... it was on an inlet? Maybe, although Gnome's right on the water too. Oh, that's yeah. weird. No, no Unilocalite looked much more sort of verdant, uh, but you know, Unilocalite doesn't even really have police. You know, it really is the town where everybody knows everybody else or is related to everybody else. And uh, and so I think one of the things that Tom and Christina were worried about, Sonia's family, was that she sort of didn't have the radar that you'd need for what Nome was, which was to her the big city. Like, you know, a little village like that, you can wind up, if not trusting everybody, at least sort of knowing who you can and can't trust. And then, you know, Noam is, is too big for that. And I know that her family was worried about that. And then the shame became that the thing that she absolutely should trust is the thing that she couldn't trust at all in the town. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Murder's rare in Noam, correct? Oh, yes. Very. So what kind of crime do, do they have? Well, they have all those sexual assaults that are un Right. I mean, the, I mean, a lot of the crime there day to day is alcohol related. And then there's okay. the, there's that long uh, line of sexual assault cases, which sort of just haven't been dealt with for a long time. And I don't want to suggest, by the way, that those all involve uh, perpetrators who work for the police department because they're just all kinds of cases. Right. But they just haven't been they haven't been dealt with. And there's no question that, you know, the cop who said, the cop who was quoted as saying no one's going to believe a drunk native girl over a police officer, uh, he clearly was correct, except he could have left out over a police officer because a, a lot of those cases involved native women and they just weren't taken seriously. Such which, a shame. You know, is, is, is just awful. It's brutal. Um, did you see any animals when you were there? We were told we went to Dredge Five Road, which is where... Uh, Sonia's body was found outside of town. Yeah. 
And uh, there were dump trucks coming by from a dig that was going on nearby, unrelated to any of this. And that may have frightened away animals. They were making a lot of noise. These trucks ah. that were regularly coming up the road past us. But we were told when we were sort of looking for where her body had been dumped and the area had changed a little bit in the intervening years and the underbrush had grown up a lot too. Um, we were told, be careful. There was a bear out here yesterday. So mm. they said, if you hear any foliage crackling or moving, get out of there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's why I said to Susan, like, I don't have to run fast. I just have to run faster than you. Yeah. <laughs> Old joke. Old That's joke. not right. Yeah. So the reason there were those treads were because this couple was as you said answering the call of nature answering nature's call which yeah. you meant a, did you you meant a booty call no i meant peeing that's what i said i thought that you were right you meant peeing but then i thought no, i think he's using it like booty call people at dateline internally thought we meant a booty call also i totally did yeah but i thought He's using that expression differently. To me, nature's answering nature's call is a euphemism for going to the bathroom. Absolutely. I agree. But I still thought you were using it in a different way. Interesting. Was it because it was a couple? Yeah, it was because it was a couple. That's why it was because it was a couple. They were just looking for a place to go to the bathroom, a deserted place. I have one more Alaska question. What did you eat (laughs) when you were there? Did you notice that there was any specific Alaska cuisine, like something that you wouldn't normally see on a menu? I was looking for specific Alaska cuisine, but I I didn't see anything particularly Alaskan um, on any of the, you know, most of the places we ate were sort of, you know, bar type restaurant places. Oh, sure. um, You know, so we did that. Uh, but no, I didn't. No, no local. I have no local cuisine story. Although when I flew out through Seattle, uh, and I absolutely did uh, eat seafood there for, there that, for that reason. Yeah, I thought they might have weird jerkies or something. Right, for you'd some think reason. they'd be like, oh, yeah. like reindeer jerky or something like that. Yeah. But I, I didn't see anything like that. Ah, uh, okay. Matt's uncle had a PO box key, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. then Matt said that he he. Matt never had access to it. We just think Matt stole the key or was lying or something. Well, or somebody was lying about that. You know, yeah. I mean, that key fit a mailbox that, you know, belonged to somebody that he knew. Uh, is it is it stretch credulity that, you know, the... the I think he stole his uncle's P.O. box and was or, doing an MLM out of it or something. Yeah, or was using it to get mail, you know, after his, his, his wife had kicked him out of the house or... Oh, Yeah. Oh, there you I go. mean, his um, dirty magazines. Right. I mean, there's no way of, I mean, like that's, that's a pretty big coincidence too. Again, as we've seen in this case, coincidences don't always mean guilt. Kimberly. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm tr- I'm learning. But uh, it's, you know, the tilt gene stuff, the eyelids yeah. from, from mm-hmm. Skechers. That was I mean, good detective work. That was good. Detective really good. Work. And, like, and, and taking that whole pit with them. And going yeah. through it was the great thing because they realized mm-hmm. like inclement weather is coming and, you know, this will all be turned to mud. We won't be able to find anything. So they just scooped it all up. I'm sure, I'm sure no one ever thought that would happen. What's so funny is that the police, we, we spent a lot of the episode being very angry with the police, but the detective work, they tried. They well, did work. Okay, first of all, those you are know, two different. They really went for the it. bureau tried. The bureau. Those are two different organizations. I mean, the known right. police department is one thing, and the Alaska Bureau of Investigation quite something else. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, I mean, Eric Burroughs and his team did a very good job. Really good job. And they seem to take it seriously, you know, yeah. which no, is no, something no. that the police didn't do from the beginning, no, no, like no we talked about. Which is... That Eric took it seriously. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't even think Matt was that bright. Did what did you think of his letter with the pigs? Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, why was there no punctuation? Right, there was no punctuation, and it was like because criminals don't use it. Contractions, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, punctuation. Yeah, it was like terrorist note by E. E. Cummings. You know? <laughs> It was. That's exactly what it was. It yeah, was. Uh, I mean, if the idea was to point uh, the police at some unknown other suspect, it sure didn't do any good. Really a weird yeah. series of events. Even having it on the seat with the broken glass on top of it. you're. I mean, first of all, if you're a cop and you're planning that and you've been so evidence aware, as we spoke of earlier, that you know how to, you know, take her clothes and do whatever else you do to cover up your own participation in the crime. Then you also know that what would happen 
would be somebody would break the window and then throw the, the envelope in. Yeah. That really was not great thinking. At least the glass was on the inside, though, because sometimes right. with these staged robberies, right. the you glass is on, on, the on the outside. And- not a good idea. Right. But I mean, you'd think that you'd want the envelope to be on top of the broken glass or just stick it under the windshield wiper. That would yeah. be the quickest thing to do. Yeah. Why are you smashing a window of a car you stole? If you're in a hurry to drop off this note so that the cops will see it and leave you alone. You know, you don't need to break the window. You put it under the driver's side windshield wiper. They're going to find it. How about you also just put it somewhere in the precinct? This whole idea of taking the car 321. Mail it to him. Right. Yeah. The taking the car, the possible gunshots, the him running into the tundra. Sorry, I can't get over that still, that he ran off into the tundra. (laughs) All of it. I. It's the most ill-conceived, no. suspicious-looking series of events that I've... Well, and he doesn't... You know, he's not checking the car, and he... You know, all of his actions don't really... These actions, as described by him, don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. They really... And then he decides that he doesn't want to be a cop anymore. He, like, has the yeah. long sort of yeah. come-to-Jesus talk with his, yeah. <laughs> his supervisor. Yeah. You know, I really don't think this is for me. Yeah. Well, he's right. It wasn't. But uh, that's not for you, Matt. That part of it, the whole three, two, one incident was not. I mean, if the idea of that was that Matt Owens was going to direct suspicion to someone else, it really ended up doing exactly the opposite. The note and the way he behaved. It really didn't. I had a question about something that came out in the trial. He was searching for Sonia on his work computer before she died. Yes. Apparently he had run her name once or twice, which he said was to make sure she was a legal drinking age because he'd encountered her outside a bar or something like that. Uh, you know, he would have, it's quite possible he would have met her at the hospital if he ever brought anybody in to have them stitched up or if he went there mm-hmm. for any reason that he would have seen her at the admitting desk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his uh, the, the fact that he ran her on the computer to, to see where she lived and, you know, it, it, certainly in hindsight, that all looked pretty ominous. It's not really a question, but the uh, feud, the feud between officers Matt and Byron Redburn, I feel like should have its own spinoff show on FX or something. Uh, that uh, Matt was angry because he was having an affair with Byron Redburn's daughter, or other way yeah. around. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. No, and yeah. Byron punched a suspect, and Matt reported him. Right. That's right. No. No. It's. I mean, again, you know, when you're looking for reasons why somebody else would be out to get you, you're going to have to invent something. And, you know, everyone's out to get me. Everyone's framing me. That was Matt Owens' uh, message, you know, and he uh, used to deny it. Uh, We got a a statement from him, which we used in the show, saying he didn't do it, didn't kill her, and has not not raped anyone else. Which I guess is really, I would really like to know why he felt like he had to to kill her because the, before it had just been a series of sexual assaults, uh, of correct? coerced sexual assault, yeah, right. using his badge and standing to to essentially make women have sex with him, or he forced them to, and his badge made them realize he, they couldn't report reporting it. this is, right. is pointless. Mm-hmm. You know, look, we're never going to know exactly what happened in that encounter. Right, it may have been that he thought she was drunk and thought that she would be an easier mark than she turned out to be. It may have been, uh, you know, she was what? She was tall. Yeah. She was not a small person and she was in very good physical shape. So, you know, she may have started. She may have been fighting. Yeah, she may have been fighting with it. Um, But to me, most likely is she spoke her truth to power. She said to him, you're not going to get away with this. And he said, no one's going to believe, you know, drunk native girls, like he'd said before. And she said, A, I'm not drunk. And B, they're going to believe me because I'm going to make them believe me. Um, And that uh, may have been what made him realize that he had to kill her or he actually was going to get caught this time. We were never, but we're never going to know exactly how that went. You know, and he didn't have that we know of any obvious injuries after that. Like he wasn't seen that night with, you know, bruises or a black eye or something like that. So exactly what happened, we don't know. But to me, it sounds like he realized that she was going to tell and that she was going to be credible. Yeah. It probably wasn't just an escalation in his crime. You're right. It was probably on purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. Or he was having her at gunpoint 
And right. it was, or, it I mean, I mean, again, look, I don't want to rule out the possibility that this was all about killing her from the beginning. If he got the gun from the police evidence room, you know, maybe that this, is true. Maybe this was all, maybe he was just escalating and he was and like he's That's picking true. up, picking up drunk women and sexually assaulting them had lost its thrill. And he wanted to find out whether he could kill someone and get away with it. I mean, hmm. I, I don't I don't want to suggest any of those is more likely than any other because we don't know. Yeah, it's just a shame she seemed lovely. She did. She seemed like a wonderful person. I mean, I thought that I thought that video that Timory, her friend, had of her was just so, right? so haunting and so sad. Haunting yeah. was a word that Kimberly used in this. Yeah, it really was. We um Timory was a great, great. person to talk yeah, to as well. Yeah, I felt for her a lot. Me too, because she spent a lot of years blaming herself for this. You were so kind to her. You had such a good moment with, I hope you, I think you helped. Well, I hope so. Bit. But she, you know, there was nothing she could have done about this because it would have happened that night. It would have happened some other night. He, mm-hmm. he already knew about her and he was, you know, and he was going to see her again. Place. I mean, this yeah. is no, it wasn't like, you know, if you miss her that night, you'll right. never see her again. Like that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I have time for one fun question. Yeah. Because we took up so much time, we've decided I won't even let you ask one fun question. Exactly. But go ahead. Well, I have to ask a seasonal question since I can only ask one. And so our dear listener, White Ford Focus, that's just not a real, but that's not their biblical name. Really? Um, That's not the name on their birth certificate? Exactly. Wow. (laughs) Wants to know, what was Halloween like in the Mank household when you were a kid? And do you have a favorite costume? Um, Well, I had a routine uh, on Halloween. I would make the first circuit of our neighborhood. This was in suburban Maryland. I would make the first circuit in the costume that mom had made for me, which was, you know, a sheet with a couple of holes cut out or some pirate thing or some character from a movie. And I would hit all the houses and I would come back with a big bag of candy, which I would dump onto my bed. Then I would take off the costume that mom made for me. And I would put on the costume that I bought for $1 at the 7-Eleven, which was inevitably a mask that obscured, the my, mask. obscured my face. And With like the rubber cape, band? A cape or something, right? And, yeah. and I would go back out with my now empty bag of candy. And I would cherry pick just the houses that had the best stuff because oh. I'd already done my prospecting. So I knew to go to Mrs. Denny's house because she had wonderful caramel apples. And I knew that other people, okay. you know, even when they weren't home, they would just leave a big box of stuff by the door and you could pretty much take whatever you wanted. Uh, and there was one woman in the, in the neighborhood who made incredible brownies. So I'd stack up a couple of those. And somehow I do not remember being incredibly sick the day after Halloween, but... <laughs> So you were allowed to go a free for all. There was no sort of limit from your mom on how many you could have that night. They were not paying a lot of attention to me. (laughs) You know, this would have been, they would have had a new baby. Oh, what we referred to as a cable baby, because he was one day going to appear on cable. (laughs) And uh, uh, no, they had a brand new baby and they were worried about other things. And our neighborhood was pretty safe suburban neighborhood. I mean, and we'd all heard the stories about, you know, people putting razor blades Razors, in, apples, right. in the candy. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You, know, you weren't allowed to eat any any loose candy corn because it could be poisoned. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that scary. there's no reason to be concerned now. But, but like back so then, wild that you back, 1965, it. like I ate every single thing somebody put into that bag. Um, it wasn't going through a metal detector first. Yeah. I mean, nothing happened. But again, it was a different time. Yeah, I can't Oof. believe there was a costume change, like an actual costume yep. change. It's yep. so smart. Like yep. you're a bride at a wedding and you're like, I'm going around for part two. It's so it's maximum candy and smart. It's one of the few proactive things I've ever done. <laughs> it's really smart. We would have been friends. All yeah. kids should take lessons. I would have tried to buddy up to you because I knew how to get the candy. That second trip around the neighborhood, I did feel like Superman. I, oh yeah yeah because i had x-ray vision i knew exactly <laughs> who had the good stuff and who didn't it's so smart that's great yeah we cannot thank you enough for coming on thank, thank you so thank much you. always a pleasure it's been a great conversation is there anything that we need to know about in the future coming i can't say what it is but there will be at least one more new episode of mine this year at least we're scheduled to 
I hope so. Now, things like, you know, COVID and trial schedules sometimes get in the way. But at the moment, I'm scheduled to be on with one more episode, probably in December. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. A long wait. But that we will get to see wait. Andrea and Dennis, that means. Yes, In will. the meantime. And get eyes on Dennis. We make sure he's okay. And if you're out there and you haven't listened to Internal Affairs yet, what's, what's the issue? What's get the on. so good. Yes. And everybody should be joining Dateline Premium. Yes. Yes. So what do you get? You get early access. You get early access to podcasts and, and they don't have any ads. Amazing. That's a good deal. It's yeah. a good deal. And it's not a lot I signed of money. up right away. I it's, was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, That's obvi- it. it's an obvious choice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. More My than pleasure. You. And I appreciate the two of you. And I believe all of the Dateline family appreciates the two of you. Oh, <gasps> that means those a lot. are big words. Thank you. All right. Have a happy and safe Halloween. Thank you. And I will not be <laughs> making a second trip around the neighborhood this time. <laughs> You'd have to disguise your voice, I feel like, quite a bit. Yeah, you would probably, recognize probably would Mank. Work, yeah, yeah. Is that Mank again? <laughs> Trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank Bye. you. So long.